0: This is The Chapel Real Estate Show, season two, episode one.
1: Welcome to The Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so you can buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. Whether you're a first-time buyer, a current homeowner, or a seasoned investor, you've come to the right place. We're here to simplify all things real estate so you can achieve your goals of property ownership. With your hosts, Daniel and Roger Chapel.
0: What's up, listeners, and thank you guys for tuning in to the Chapel Real Estate Show, your source for the latest real estate information so that you can learn how to buy, sell, and invest with the best in Texas. I'm your host Daniel Chapel, joined by my co-host Roger Chapel today, and we just want to wish you a happy new year from the Chapel Realty Group. This is going to be our first episode for the year of 2022, so woo! We're excited to be here with you guys. So, uh, so Dad, why don't you tell our listeners hello?
1: Hey guys, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope your holidays went fantastic, and we are ready for uh, 2022 here at the Chapel Realty Group.
0: Yes, we sure are. So um, I don't know about you guys, but I know I kicked my 2022 off by uh, closing on a deal with one of my clients. I set a lot of goals for the year, both in my uh, my real estate business and in my business with, uh, with Chipotle. So, um, you know, started the year off with a lot of goal setting, um, and I know my wife and I even talked about what we wanted to do with some of the equity that we've built up in our home and uh, some of the extra money that we're, we're earning from, um, you know, all these different sources of income that we have. So, uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted to bring to you guys to start the year off is... What can you do with the equity that you have in your home so that you can invest in other, maybe real estate or other types of investments. Um, And this is something that my parents, both Roger and Lorena, are very, very uh, knowledgeable in. From personal experience, they've had a lot of experience using um, their equity to make other investments into Smoothie King, um, investments into other uh, types of real estate. So, um, you know, Dad, I'm gonna turn it over to you and let's uh, give our listeners a brief overview of what we're gonna be talking about today.
1: Well, I'd like to start off with the chapel chunk today. So I know normally we we try to give an overview and then jump into the chapel chunk, but today's chapel chunk, I feel like I need to get right up front. And that is, uh, you know, investing is always, always a good idea, especially with today's economy. And your best hedge against inflation is real estate purchases. So I want to make sure that people understand that, that if you have equity in a home or in some sort of a property, you can actually use that equity to take advantage of the inflation, believe it or not. So uh, just something to to think about. So today's Chapel Chunk, take advantage of your equity and invest in real estate for your best hedge against inflation.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And, uh, you know, I I wish I could remember where I heard this, probably somewhere on maybe Instagram or TikTok or something like that. But um, if you have cash and inflation rises, if they double the amount of money that's in circulation, your cash is now worth half, but your assets are worth double. So that is a huge, huge distinction to keep in mind when it comes to inflation. And that is exactly why real estate is the best hedge against inflation.
1: So like you mentioned before, Daniel, today's uh, episode literally is just going to be an overview and I'm going to give some specific examples. Uh, Earlier this week, I had a phone call, uh, a very, very nice conversation with some clients of mine uh, that I've been working with for a couple of years. And... Uh, They were asking a lot of questions about investing, and in particular, real estate, but not just real estate. They also asked me questions about some other uh, investments. And, of course, your mom and I are involved in a number of different types of investments. Uh, You already mentioned the Smoothie King. I have another consulting firm. And then we also have uh, our investments with uh, various IRA accounts and things of that nature. So uh, with all of that said, we have a very uh, diverse uh, investment portfolio. So with that, I actually have quite a bit of information. But I also want people to understand, too, that I am not a financial advisor, so I am not going to actually give anyone true advice on their finances. Everyone's financial situation is different. It's unique. And you need to rely on those professionals to get your true advice from. Now, you want to know about real estate and what I think and how we can take advantage of some of these opportunities, I'm happy to explain that to you, and we can go down that path. But if you're looking for specific advice on your financial situation we're not the team for that. We actually have investors, I'm sorry, uh, uh, financial advisors that we can put you in touch with that do that for uh, their living. And and they are the professionals in that. So I just want to make sure we clarify that uh, right up front.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we speak from our own experiences, but that does not mean that you're going to have the exact same experience that we've had. Investing, You know, I mean, we listen to shows like Bigger Pockets and, um, you know, read a lot of financial books and things like that. And, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned about investing is that there's a million different ways to make money through investing. Um, And you have to find the strategy that works best for you. So this is, you know, us using our experience, sharing it with you to kind of help get the wheel turning. But by no means is this financial advice. So, uh, you know, definitely talk to your, your financial advisors or if you're interested in getting in touch with one, reach out to us and we'll be happy to do that for you. So, um, let's kick the episode off by talking about, uh, you know, we mentioned how you can use your equity. So let's talk about, okay, first of all, what is equity? Well, equity is how much of, um, how much of an asset that you own so for example in real estate um, if you you know put a down payment on your house the house has appreciated and of course you're paying down the principal on your loan well that means that you have equity and that equity builds up over time as you continue to pay your mortgage as the market continues to appreciate Um, so all of that stuff Uh, you know, there's ways for you to utilize that equity. So the first one that I want to talk about is the cash out refinance. So dad, can you explain to our listeners, what exactly is a cash out refi and how can our listeners take advantage of it?
1: Absolutely. So I have, your mom and I have done cash out refis a number of times, and we've done another type of loan, which is called a HELOC. And I will explain both of those because they're both very important. Although they're similar, they're different. So uh, the cash-out refi simply means that you're refinancing your house, there's going to be an appraisal, and the appraisal is going to come in at X amount. Then in Texas, and each, each state is different, so uh, they have their own laws about how much of your equity you can actually get in a loan. So uh, in Texas, it's up to 80%. Now, there's a way that that is calculated out that does not actually equate to what you and I might think of as 80%. I don't know the calculation because it truly is different, but what I think of 80% is if I have a $100,000 loan and uh, my house is worth 200,000, then I feel like I have $100,000 in equity. Well, that's not necessarily the case. So uh, there's another calculation that goes into it where it actually comes out to where I probably only have about 80,000 in equity. Well, then that 80000 is what's used to calculate the other 80% that I might be able to get for my loan. Now, you also have to qualify for the loan. You can't just automatically assume that because you have equity in your home that you can use that equity. That's not necessarily true. You actually have to qualify for that loan. But remember, what they're going to do is they're going to pay your house off, and then they're going to give you the amount of what your house is worth, 80% of what your house might be worth in today's market. So there's going to be another appraisal on your home. So if the appraisal says that, you're, you're that you, the house that you paid $200,000 for, that you now only owe $150,000 for, but the market says that your house is worth $300,000, well, now you've got what we might consider to be $150,000 in equity, but the banks are going to consider that to be about 80% of that $150,000, and then you can take about 80% of that to get uh, your actual loan. Does that make sense? Basically, it's two 80% calculations.
0: Gotcha um, so I, I think another way to put that would be like say, for example, um, you know you've put a twenty percent down payment on your home. the max uh, you can get in a home equity line you have to have at least twenty percent equity to even qualify for a cash cash out refi or a home equity line of credit um, so that 20%, just because you put 20% down, that does not mean that you can borrow against that equity. You don't have enough equity to be able to borrow against that asset. So you have to have paid down more principal. The market has to have appreciated a little bit more um, in order for you to have enough equity to pull out of that home. Does that make sense?
1: That, yeah, That's a very good explanation. So Once you do that, you qualify for the loan. You can go to just about any lender, uh, any mortgage lender, and they can do the cash-out refi. So then they give you the cash. So uh, once you have the cash, then you can take that cash and invest on it. Now, we're going to leave the home equity or or the cash-out refi alone for just a moment. Now we're going to jump into what's called a HELOC. A HELOC is the Home Equity Line of Credit, H-E-L-O-C. Now, right now, most banks are not doing the HELOCs. And I I mean, I really don't know one that's doing it right now, but it will come back in the future. But the HELOC is basically a line of credit off of the equity that you have in your home. So you can use that money for anything you want, but what's gonna happen is that they're gonna open up an account and give you a line of credit for X amount of dollars. And then they'll give you a checkbook. And with that checkbook, you have to issue a check that's at least $4,000. So you take that money, and you can use it for whatever you want. You can pay down debt. You can buy a new property. You can use it for uh, uh, remodeling of your current home or remodel of a second home or pay, who knows? You Buy another car. You could do whatever you want. Pay for college. That's what we do for your sister. Uh, we had a HELOC loan that helped us buy a house, remodel that house, and pay for my daughter's education. So that's what we used that HELOC for. It was awesome. I'm glad we had it. And then you only pay interest on the amount that you borrow on that line of credit. So, if, for example, if your line of credit is $100,000, and you only borrow $50,000, then you're only paying the interest on that 50000 that you borrow, not the entire 100000 that they say you can borrow.
0: So it works very similarly to a credit card. If you have a $10,000 line of credit through Chase Bank, um, you're only paying interest on the balance at the end of every month. You're not paying interest on the full $10,000 credit line. Uh, so the home equity line of credit works very similarly to a credit card. The only difference is is you're borrowing it against your own asset instead of borrowing the money from the bank.
1: That's correct. That's correct. Now, the interest rates on these, these uh, like a HELOC, is going to be a little bit higher than on a cash-out refi. On a cash-out refi, you're actually going to get the credit, uh, the uh, interest rate for what it is to purchase your home. So if you've got a good credit rating, a really high credit score, you're a good credit risk, uh, and you've used this financial institution before, chances are pretty good that you'll be able to get a pretty low interest rate on that cash-out refi. So it's really advantageous for folks who purchased their home, say, 10 years ago, and the interest, interest rates were 5% to 6%, where today the interest rates are down to 3 to 4%. Now you do a cash-out refi, you refinance at a lower rate, you get the equity out of your home, and you're probably going to wind up with a lower payment, which puts more cash into your pocket. So it's a really great program for those that have a lot of equity or that have been paying a higher interest rate.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, on the flip side of that too, you know, if you purchase your home within the last couple of years, um, you know, you might have a very low interest rate. And now we're starting to see the interest rates are starting to creep up a little bit. Um, So the other thing to consider when it comes out to a cash out refinance is that it's actually essentially a a new loan, right? So um, you're going to have to pay closing costs like you had to pay on your original home. Um, so there's gonna be expenses that come along with a cash out refinance. So always make sure you talk to um, your financial institution or whoever you plan to use for a cash out refinance to find out what your expenses are gonna be, where your mortgage payment is gonna end up afterwards and really find out if it makes sense for you. Because as my dad mentioned, you know, if, if you bought your house five, 10 years ago when interest rates were substantially higher than they are today, then you're probably going to be coming out on top because you're going to have a lower rate than what you did a few years ago. I mean, I know when I bought my house in 2015, I had a 4% rate. Uh, this last house that we bought, we were able to get a 3.25. So, um, you know, the, remember that these interest rates, they fluctuate year over year So, um, and, and really day over day. So you have to pay very close attention to that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say today, interest rates are fluctuating on a daily basis. So one of the other questions that people said are, what are our limits? What are the limits to the HELOC and the, the uh, cash-out refi? Well, I think if we're talking limits, then you're only limited to, so on a cash-out refi, you're limited to the amount that you're able to borrow. So uh, let's assume that my equity came out where I could borrow $180,000. Well, that's my limit. I can't borrow more than the cash that they gave me. So uh, that on a the, on the cash-out refi, you're limited only to the amount that you borrow. Does that make sense? Now, on a HELOC, you're limited to whatever your credit limit is on that particular loan. Because remember, they're loaning you money based on what your line of credit is, and it go, it's on your own asset. So uh, you're limited to whatever that credit limit is on that open line of credit. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and, and that actually kind of brings up a question. So um, how long is a home equity line of credit open? Because we know with a cash out refinance, you're pulling the cash out and that's you only get that cash once. A home equity line of credit, because it acts more as a line of credit, how long does that credit line stay open? Are you able to reuse it over and over and over again if you pay it off?
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I know on the one that we had, I think we had that thing open for about six, seven years, something like that. I don't, I don't remember how long we had it open. We had it open for a while uh, and never, I never thought about it. When we paid the house off, we paid that other loan off. So uh, it wasn't anything I ever thought about. So that's a good question. That's actually a question I would push towards the lender to find out from them, each lending institution may have a different answer for you, uh, especially as it relates to HELOCs, because HELOCs right now are just very difficult to get. And there's just not a lot of uh, banks offering them at the moment.
0: Yeah. Um, and and just from your experience, uh, more or less, what was your interest rate on a home equity line of credit?
1: On the HELOC, I think it was about a point higher than what the actual loan or uh, what the rate was. So this is so long ago. I know our interest rate when we first bought our first home was 9%. And then we refinanced somewhere around 6 or 7%. And then on the HELOC, it was one point higher than that. So and I don't remember what the rate was at that time. But I know it, if memory serves me correctly, I remember it being a full point higher than, than what the actual rate was.
0: Yeah, but still substantially lower than what it would cost you for a credit line from a bank that's, you know, average 16 to 24%. So,
1: Well, yeah, I mean, look at your credit cards. Good grief. The credit card interest rates are ridiculous, which is why sometimes the cash out, refi or the HELOC makes sense. Because if you've got, you know, a lot of credit card debt, if it's a higher interest rate, I want to pay that down first. So paying those things off, those high interest credit cards, that's the way to go. And immediately, you, that, that is an immediate impact. I mean, if you're paying two, $300 a month towards a, a credit card and that balance is just not getting any smaller, it might be advantageous to go ahead and, and get a HELOC or a, a cash-out refi so that you can pay that debt off.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: One of the other questions that got brought up uh, uh, recently, and I've, I've actually had this question several times, so this is one of the reasons this prompted this particular episode today. Uh, one of my clients is wanting to use the cash on a cash-out refi to purchase another home. And the question became, well, what can I do with that money? I mean, I've got this cash. Can I buy another house and turn it into a rental property? Well, absolutely one can. So what I have done and what your mom and I have done is we actually used our cash-out refi, took that cash, and purchased another house, and then we moved into that house and remodeled it. And the reason we remodeled it while we were living there is, number one, we got a lower interest rate because that was going to be a primary residence for us. And then with the remodel uh, expenses, because we're using the cash on the cash, or actually, this is the HELOC that we did the HELOC. This is on the house on 31st. So because we had the HELOC, we were able to use that uh, to pay for the renovations that we were doing, which was a lot cheaper than us financing a lot of that through a bank because we thought about getting a construction loan. And at the time, the interest rates on a construction loan were much higher than what we did with the home equity loan. So home equity line of credit. So for us, that worked out very, very well. Plus we were able to pay uh, pay down some additional debt. So all of that worked out really well for us. Uh, but that's not the situation for everybody. So, uh, you know, and in that one, we lived in that house for a little while, so we got a lower rate and then we turned around and we turned that house into a rental property when we moved away from it. So in that house actually had a VA loan on it too. So what you can do is the house that you're in, if it's your primary home and you want to buy something else, my suggestion is consider living in that house or in that property. If you're going to buy a duplex or a triplex, live in one of those units for a period of time because then you get a lower interest rate because it's your primary home. And then the house that you're living in, you turn that one into the rental property. And then you have somebody else paying the mortgage on that one. And after two years, you can actually count the income off of that property as actual regular income. So there's a number of benefits to it, not to mention because you have a rental property now, there are a ton of tax advantages. So, uh, I mean, just to talk about this would literally take us hours. And then I would need to bring a CPA on to explain all the different tax benefits you get. Uh, but I can tell you from personal experience, there, it's a lot of tax benefits. It's really, really advantageous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that is exactly why, um, you know, I know y'all have used this strategy, you and mom, um, and why my wife and I plan to use this strategy in the future is, you know, we have a beautiful house. We've got, you know, tons of equity in this house. And we will more than likely do a cash out refinance to buy our next house so that we can, you know, as you mentioned, get a lower rate because it's our primary residence. We can use a lower down payment. We don't have to put 20% down like you would have to do with an investment property or 10% down if you're buying a second home that you're occupying for a few months out of the year. Um, So, you know, those are things to keep in mind as you, um, you know, once you have your first home, how can you use that home to help you progress your investing career? Um, Because, you know, we all want to have, uh, you know, a fair amount of income right at the end of the day most of us are are investing to to have a better life or to um, have a better life out of retirement or not have to work until we're into our 60s that kind of thing so um, you know keep all that stuff in mind as you as you start your journey in real estate because there's a lot of benefits as as my dad just mentioned yes exactly exactly Um, So, Dad, you you mentioned uh, VA loans briefly, so I kind of want to backtrack onto that. Um, The VA loan. Say, for example, uh, I have a a home that I have purchased on a VA loan. Am I still able to use a VA loan to purchase another property, or how does that first home that has a VA loan on it affect my ability to get another VA loan?
1: Uh, That's a great question. So, uh, I know there's been some changes with the VA laws recently. Uh, and exactly how that pertains to this specific question, I'm not 100% sure, but I can explain the way it used to be, and I think there's still some limits on it. So I don't know exactly what the number is, but let's assume that you're only able to, and this depends on the part of the country that you're in as well. So uh, let's assume you're only able to borrow, say, $480,000 on a VA loan, and you have a balance of, say, uh, $100,000 on your current VA loan. Well, that means that the VA will actually back you up on an additional 300000 or $380,000 towards the purchase of another property. But what happens if that property is a $400,000 property? Well, you would have to put down $20,000. Then the VA would guarantee the other $380,000. So uh, it's best to check with the lender on that to be certain that those limits are still there and what those limits are because I know they did change recently and I know that there's been some recent, and when I say recent, I mean very recent changes to the VA rules and, and all of that. So uh, yes, you can still use your VA loan. Uh, it used to be you can only use it up to three times. I think that has gone away now. You can still take advantage of it as, as often as you can. Uh, so, and I highly recommend doing that, especially if it's your primary home, uh, cause you don't have to put anything down on your primary home under most circumstances. So it's just something to keep in mind.
0: So while you were, uh, while you were talking about that, naturally my curiosity peaked and I have to know what the limit is, right? So, um, I looked it up and if you have full entitlement, there is no home loan limit as of right now. Um, so the way that they define full entitlement is one of the following must be true. One, you've either never, you've never used your home loan benefit 2 you've paid a previous VA loan in full and sold the property or three, you've used the home loan benefit, but had a foreclosure or compromise claim and repaid it in full.
1: Okay. So yes, you can. So for me, that would be perfect because I don't have an active VA loan and I would be able to purchase another home without any limit to it. So, uh, and I wouldn't have to put any money down on it. So yes, I could do that. And then I could take my current home and turn it into a rental property. So at that point, I'm actually taking advantage of two things. Number one, not having to put any money down, which is pretty awesome. And number two, turning my current home into a rental property and getting additional cash flow. How do you go wrong with that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, How how do you go wrong with that? (laughs) Um, So, I will say too, um, you know, as you mentioned, it depends on where you live if there is a VA loan limit. So, um, if you have remaining entitlement, so meaning you still have an active VA loan that has not been paid in full, then there's going to be a limit and it's based on the county in which you reside. So, that's something that you'd have to get with your local lender um, and determine what that loan limit is. But from what I'm understanding, you can still get a second VA loan, just you have to meet certain requirements and you have to be under that local limit. So, right. All right. So, moving into the, the next question that um, we had come up, because we have a couple of clients that we've worked with who um, helped to co sign on their children's loan. So, and, and I believe this was the same client who was asking you the questions about the, uh, the investments, right? Correct so uh the question was what um what if i'm a co-signer on my children's loan how does that affect my ability to obtain another loan for an investment or for another primary residence
1: so that always goes back to the original qualifications for a loan so that's going to be up to the mortgage lender, lender that one chooses uh and follow their protocol with that. So they're gonna have an outline. So there's federal outlines and then or federal guidelines on, on loans and there's debt to income ratios and all those kinds of things. All of that still has to apply when you're buying an investment property. So in this particular instance, uh, because this gentleman is a co-signer on his son's loan, that it does have an impact, a negative impact, On his ability to be able to qualify for a loan that doesn't mean that he can't qualify for one it just means that uh, now that is calculated into his debt-to-income ratio and it does show as a debt on his side because he is a co-signer for a loan so if you've got something like that going on it might be best to wait until you uh, can get your name off of that loan Uh, and there's a number of ways that can happen it's just one of those things that you're gonna have to wait for yeah that makes sense and that's in most instances that doesn't mean everybody has to wait uh you know there are some people that can qualify uh because of their income and and their low debt and things like that that where this doesn't really affect them at all but again that is a question that is meant more for a mortgage lender uh than anybody else
0: great yeah well thank you for clearing that up so um do we have anything else to cover as far as the topics we've, we've discussed so far? Because we have one other question uh, that I want to ask to kind of wrap up the episode today. But um, have we covered everything uh, regarding the home equity lines of credit? The, um, I know we've thrown a lot of information at you guys. Cash out refinances, VA loans, uh, investment properties. Anything to cover as far as all that stuff is concerned?
1: Well, one other thing that that popped up is uh, in this conversation that pops up frequently is, should I pay off my debt or should I buy an investment property? Well, to me, that is all about one's risk tolerance. So, number one, if you're paying credit card debt and it's a high interest rate or you've got a vehicle loan that's a high interest rate, uh, and it's it's almost always best to pay down the higher interest rates So if you need to, to eliminate some debt, this is a good way to do that uh, And then maybe in the future you buy an investment property because you want to be able to show your your credit History is good enough where you can afford uh, and you show that you're a good credit risk uh, To purchase the investment property. So it literally just depends on one specific situation So you can't just you know give a blanket answer to that but uh, I would suggest if you're paying high interest rates, obviously pay that debt down first.
0: Yeah, and I think it all comes down to how much are you going to make on the investment, right? So if you have a 4% interest rate, but your investment is going to yield you an additional 8%, well then, you know, that's where the spread is at, right? You have a little bit more income coming in, so you'll be able to pay that debt off um, and essentially still have a 4% increase in your money. Um, it's, it's kind of the same as like, okay, I've got an extra $15,000, should I pay down my mortgage loan that I have a 3.25% interest rate on, or should I put that $15,000 into an investment property that I could make 5% a year on? Um, well, you know, at that point, it maybe the investment property is is the better move. It all depends on you know, as as my dad mentioned, your situation, um, and of course the investment, and then how high the rate is on the other debt that you have. So um, you know, it's it's a case by case basis, but it's it's one that you have to analyze, and it goes into you know doing your homework when you're looking at your investments. Yep. So actually, you covered the question that I was planning to ask, and that was, you know, about the the debt. Should you um, pay off higher interest debt or go ahead and, and purchase an investment? So now that we've covered that, um, in our last episode, we mentioned that we were doing uh, gratitude journals. So we want to kind of segue into sharing some of the things that we've written in those journals, um, and I'm gonna kind of share. So I haven't done a traditional journal. I haven't been writing down um, necessarily the way that I had initially planned. But what I discovered through some of my benefits with my other job is that um, I can actually, through a health portal that I have, I can do daily check-ins. So what I've been doing is I've been logging into this little portal um, and, and basically writing down how I've made progress towards my goals. I've been writing down what I'm grateful for, how I'm feeling today, am I happy, sad, excited, um, you know, uh, nervous, anxious, you know, these kinds of things. So. Um, that's that 's kind of where i've i've begun is you know I do at least three or four times a week i 'm going into this check in and just putting down how i 'm feeling some of the things that i 'm grateful for um, and of course, you know one of the things that i 'm that i 'm absolutely grateful for is the life that i'm i 'm blessed to live right now you know i i've got married earlier this or at the end of last year um, you know I have two awesome dogs and a great cat that bring me tons of joy every time I come home. Um, I have a, you know, a great roof over my head, Um, you know, a car that gets me to and from work. I have, you know, two really amazing jobs that I love to do. I'm blessed to actually enjoy my work. Um, So, you know, those are just a few of the things that I've been grateful for over the last few weeks since our last episode. Um, But, Dad, do you care to share um, some of yours?
1: Yeah, so actually, last Christmas, I received this from Desiree, my daughter-in-law, and it's a journal. Uh, it's actually a cover for a journal book. And so I literally have been writing some stuff in it for quite a while now. And uh, I don't know, you, you can see through here, there's, there's several pages that I've been writing on. And then I've also started, uh, and of course I never called it a gratitude journal at all, uh, but I've kind of failed in, in keeping up with it the way that I wanted to. So the challenge that you laid out for us last year, I thought was a pretty good challenge, and that is to continue to journal uh, this year. So I've started doing that, and I'm grateful for that challenge, by the way, Daniel. I appreciate you doing that. And uh, so one of the things that I'm grateful for is, today I'm actually in Dallas, uh, visiting my, uh, our daughter and son-in-law and our two grandbabies. So our daughter and son-in-law are out goofing around all day today while my wife and I get a chance to, to hang out with the grandkids and spend some really good quality time with them. Uh, we'll take a, a break while they're down for their nap, so that I can actually do the podcast. So, brought all the equipment, uh, and I'm grateful for that. I mean, just the fact that that we're able to carry our business to the level where we can carry around professional equipment with us and be able to still provide content for our listeners, I think is fantastic. Uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you, Daniel, for all that you've done and and uh, getting us to this point and. Uh, you know, our, our team is growing. We've got two new members that I'm now excited about. So I think uh, we've got some really great things coming up in 2022. And I look forward to journaling about it and uh, letting our listeners know as we, we continue on.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know that that's that's really great, and you know I'm I'm very grateful for for you, Dad, too, for giving me the opportunity to join your team many years ago. It feels like forever now. It's been what three years that we've been working together, um, and you know it's been it's been a blessing. It's been great getting to learn from you, and um, you know. Wow. I mean, I can't even I can't even express it in words. So, um, you know, thank you. Uh, Thank you, listeners, for tuning into our show and for sharing it with your friends and family. Uh, You know, we want to keep delivering content. We've actually got some big plans this year um, and we're going to be delivering some more content for you guys on a more consistent basis across all platforms. So we're going to be having um, our Instagram profile is going to be a little bit more active. We're going to be active more on TikTok, uh, our Facebook business page. Um, you know, we just, just all kinds of good stuff coming. YouTube, our podcast is found across all platforms. So, um, you know, definitely stay tuned, be ready for some more exciting content. We're excited to be here with you guys. So thank you for tuning into the Chapel Real Estate Show. And this is the Chapel Realty Group signing off. We'll see you soon.
1: Thank you for joining us this week on the Chapel Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Find us on social media at Chapel Realty Group and online at chapelrealtygroup.com. Until next time.